going to do is we're going to hear from Paul and Beth and Tim and Jen, not only about their trip in Indonesia, but also about what God is doing um, in their ministries through MAF and through Netzer. So at, what we're going to start with is actually an update from Paul and Beth. So Paul and Beth, would you uh, come forward and join me? And you can grab one of those mics there. You guys served in Indonesia for 11 years. You guys were there. and uh, This is correct. And uh, Parker Ford was... Um, was your sending church during that time, home church, that y- you came back, and you've been back now for a year and a half um, and have kind of settled in. But you continue to serve with MAF. Your role, however, has changed. And so I'm not sure that everyone knows uh, what that changes or what that looks like at this point for you guys to continue to serve with MAF. So could you just share with us about what your new role um, at MAF is and how it's going and how we can support you and pray for you and all of that? Cool. Thanks. Yes. Good morning. Anyway, as we were praying this morning, we just, uh, like, as we went around in a circle, we just kept praying, like, you know, in our weakness, you are strong. You know, if, if you're going to use our weakness as the baseline, like, this is going to be an amazing Sunday. Because <laughs> all of us are sick. We all lost our voices. And Tim's got other things going on. So we're all, we're all pretty haggard. So anyway, it's really good to be back. Um, I think... In starting this, I, what I want to do is just share a real brief history, too, of kind of how we got where we're at with Parker Ford. So when I graduated from school um, down in Tennessee, Beth and I were already married and had been married for a couple of years um, and had actually attended um, Parker Ford at the old church there before uh, when we had just gotten married and then moved down to Tennessee. When we, when we were done, um, we were kind of asking God where we should go to start building our support team um, and we were thinking, you know, we could go to Hawaii. We could really go just about anywhere we wanted. Like, there were no restrictions. Um, but God seemed really clear that he wanted us at Parker Ford, which didn't make a lot of sense to us. I don't know if you remember the old church. Um, was a fairly old congregation, really small. We were the only people, I think, our age at the time even going there. Um, and were made honorary, like, youth youth uh, leaders for like the two two or three people that were around at the time. And we're like, okay, so this is interesting. Um, but God was really, really clear that he, that he wanted us sent out from Parker Ford. Um, and we came with this vision that we are blessed to be a blessing. And Parker Ford has, a lo- has come alongside with us in that too. Um, and in, since 2002, we spent about two years working in this area, um, connecting with the church, um, me getting some experience and stuff, and then we went overseas. And when we were in Indonesia, um, I worked and served as a pilot mechanic um, in uh, Borneo, is the island that we were on. We served the people in whatever respect they needed. We did uh, transportation for people. We did cargo. We had a medevac service where we were always on call to people interior. Um, it, was a, it was a highly utilized um, thing that we did there, too, in terms of the medical stuff, there was no other way out of the jungle. There were no roads, there was no rivers that they could get out on uh, because of the rapids and waterfalls. So it was the airplane or nothing. Um, And it was just, it was an amazing experience. Um, We grew there as a family, literally. (laughs) Um, So we went with Seth, and by the time we came home on our first term, we were um, about ready to pop out number four. Um, So that kind of defined some of our experience. Um, but the, what I want to share is um, about midway, not midway, but towards the end of our thing, as we were coming into our third term, we'd probably been there um, about eight years, eight, nine years. 
um, I had a spiritual awakening, which shifted uh, the direction of kind of where we felt like we were heading as a family. I think Beth was just always ready to go, and I was kind of sitting tight, happy being a pilot mechanic. And uh, when God uh, awoke and stuff inside of me that I didn't know existed before, um, and it was more along the lines of the shepherding stuff. And so it took a few years to, to kind of figure out the working, how that is and what was actually happening. Um, but we, we sensed that our role within, uh, our role in life was going to change. We didn't know if that was going to line up with MAF or not. Um, and I think, you know, as we came back, there was probably a lot of confusion as we came back. As, you know, I had said openly, we're probably leaving MAF. We don't know what the future is. Um, I was experiencing deep physical fatigue as well. Um, and so I was, you know, not in a place to make those kind of decisions. So, um, as we uh, took a sabbatical that year through MAF and then began conversations with them, we saw how the skills that we had, um, having lived over there and experienced the life there, um, matched up really, really well with the shepherding gift that God was placing in both Beth and I, um, really not placing, but we're becoming aware of something that had been there for a long, long time that had never made it to the surface. Um, and so it was just a really awesome pairing um, as we put those two things together um, and joined MAF's member care team this last fall. Um, and we weren't even entirely sure what that meant at the time. Um, it's really kind of a, a pastoral role um, in that we care for people and uh, we try to support them overseas. When you're in an overseas situation, um, it, we're all just normal people. Like, missionaries aren't special in any way. In fact, we're maybe unspecial in some, <laughs> in some serious ways. Um, but when you get overseas um, in a different environment, uh, you are isolated, and there are not many support systems. It's like a pressure cooker. So anything that you've got going on here from the past, current, thinking about to the future, um, those things just get amplified big time. And you're dealing now with very amplified situations in your side with no help and you're very very isolated so what our role is beth and i's coming alongside maf's team of member care is a very shepherding role is we go into those different situations and um we either help them deal with some of the stuff in their past or sometimes all you need is just to be listened to and just tell your story so we sit there and we listen or some people need areas of growth that they need to push into, and we can help either help them grow or help them connect with those resources that, that do help them grow. <clears throat> to piggyback on what Paul is saying, um, as I was thinking about the presentation this morning, typically our presentations would have um, fast-flying airplanes on dangerous strips landing, and that's an easy visual to picture of what a missionary is doing. Oh, I can see that. I can... That's a tangible way to see this is what you're accomplishing. Um, and the role that we've taken on now is a whole lot harder to communicate. Um, so as we joined the member care team, um, I just want to go back to Paul had talked about his spiritual awakening. And in 2015, when God started to reveal things he had been growing in our heart, um, I was asking him... Um, what is it that you want us to do? What, what do you want us to go forth with? Um, things are shifting for Paul. And uh, my heart has always been and is anxious to move forward and caring for people. So um, 
I was talking to Jesus one day, and he clearly gave me the passage for Paul and I in Isaiah 61. I'm just going to read that, and then this kind of gives um, an explanation of what our hearts are. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And that's really what our heart's desire is. Um, is to see people come alive, to see people um, have a crown of beauty instead of ashes, to have them um, wear the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And so what does that look like? You can't put that in a fancy video. <laughs> um, what that means for us on a daily basis here, we've replanted ourselves in Parker Ford, and we work um, remotely from MAF's headquarters, which are in Idaho. And we have the advantage of doing that because MAF is a global mission. So our days look like a lot of reading books, learning how to care for other people's souls, a lot of emailing people around the world, and um, a lot of video conferencing. So you can find us <laughs> in our home down the road, um, caring for people around the world. and. Um, MAF has allowed us, and it provides a place for us as an organization to internally support and provide soul care for, through a variety of means, listening, praying, providing resources for people that are overseas and serving with Mission Aviation Fellowship. Um, currently, um, this also looks like taking trips around the world. So last fall, I don't know if you remember, Paul was in Antigua to do some disaster relief for MAF, um, and he obviously just returned from a trip to Indonesia. This fall, I will be taking a trip with our member care department to West DRC, which is the Democratic Republic of Congo, for about 10 days to provide um, support for the families there. And this support just is basically a listening role. Um, a lot of people don't have a resource. We in the West have lots of resources for psychiatric care, spiritual care, um, places of respite. But here, when you're serving overseas, those things are lacking. And so that's what we go to provide is basically a source of refreshment for the people that are serving overseas. Uh, add one thing to that. Um, so... I, one thing I really appreciate that you sharing, and this is coming from a missionary kid, um, having grown up on the missions field, um, there was sort of some nervous laughter when Paul had said missionaries are just normal people and <laughs> nothing special about them. It, that is so true. And and one of the, the things that's really hard for missionaries and missionary kids is they, they get treated like they're something different. Um, and so I remember coming back from the mission field and people would look at me like I had a third eye because I was a missionary, right? Or... And, and, like, kids didn't know what to do with me. Churches didn't know what they, they thought there was, I was holier than that or whatever. And I'm just trying to be a normal person. And, and so that's a very, very common experience for missionaries um, because they're, they're normal people just like you and I out on a field 
often isolated, spending large amounts of time away from their family and friends, and they have problems. And I've seen firsthand marriages fall apart on the mission field and churches split, and all of that stuff is so normal. And so to have member care is essential to the health uh, of the people that we support to go and give them that sort of pastoral care. So I just wanted to emphasize that. I thought that was really important in in what you shared. And I just had one other thing I wanted to add, too. Um, Parker, for you guys have a really unique opportunity to see some really cool collaborations going on here. Um, First of all, you've sent us out to Indonesia to do that kind of work. And then while we were gone, um, nets are kind of birthed out of Parker Ford as well. About five years ago, we started partnering with Netzer in Kalimantan, Indonesia, the place where we were, and our team there, we have a yearly conference. We invited them to come start teaching and to come start caring for it. And it was really one of the first times that our team actually experienced um, actual outside care members coming in, teaching and caring. And I can't tell you how much that has changed the face of the team, Um, both through the teaching of Netzer and how they've um, helped educate us on what we're actually doing (laughs) And so we understood what we were doing a whole lot better. Um, And then just through prayer and counseling and, you know, Jay and Sherry over in the fall and then Tim and Jay and this year Jen came along. And um, there's this really unique collaboration that not many other people get to see um, that's birthed right out of this church, both uh, what happened in Kalimantan through us and then through Tim and Netzer. And uh, it's just a a really cool picture um, of how, like, when you're supporting us, you're actually supporting a global initiative here. Like, MAF is a worldwide organization, and now we're supporting them. Um, and now, because of this, actually, MAF has invited Netzer as well to come to their headquarters. And they've already done it once and began teaching them um, some how to kind of, in a Reformation way, to restart thinking how we do what we do throughout the world. And Netzer is actually helping to shape that in the headquarters, and they've now invited them back again. They first shared with the board and the president, and now they're coming back to share with the entire body. Um, And so it's just a really cool picture of how this all fits together, and we have that whole picture right here in this room. Um, Not many other people get that. So I I don't know if you caught that. This this is incredible. MAF is a massive missions organization around the world, and MAF has been bringing Netzer in to the headquarters to help influence how MAF is structured and, and leads. How cool is that? Like birthed, birthed out of here from, from what God has done at Parker Ford Church. This is mind-blowing. Like it's so cool. So just praise God for that. Can we, can we transition at that, at that point? Tim, come up and, um, and share with us a little bit about that and about how Netzer and MAF have been working together in Indonesia and whatever else you'd like to share. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. <clears throat> My voice is a little bit shot, um, so we'll see what happens here. Um, we, yeah, five years ago, when Paul and Beth uh, first asked us to come to the conference and speak at the conference, we didn't know what was out in front of us or how this thing would shape, um, and uh, we didn't know what we were in for other than teaching. And as you guys know, I was c- I was comfortable with teaching, but um, w- once we got there, we realized that the support that was necessary was much more than teaching. Um, that uh, as as Paul and Beth described, the environment in which these missionaries live is one that requires day in and day out the washing of God's word 
over them, but they didn't have a pastor. I mean, they, they, they weren't, they weren't, it wasn't a church. It, they were, there was uh, pilots and their families who were in a, a, a Muslim culture um, where they're very foreign and uh, they're, they're interfacing with each other, but not in a way that is providing all the support they need. And Jay and I very quickly just looked around and we were like, oh man, we could not live this way. Um, what would it take to be able to live in this environment and to stay healthy? You know, how do you stay healthy? And how do you stay connected to the Lord um, and be vibrant in your relationship with, with the Lord? And um, so pretty quickly what we realized we needed to do was equip this group to actually learn to function more as a covenant body together over there and how to tap into what was already in them together. And oftentimes, you know, one of the dangers, and this is one of the problems, it, it fit perfectly with what the Lord was teaching us in Netzer in general, which is that the church um, can very easily become staff-centric. It can become focused on the staff, that the staff provides everything, and, and we look to the staff for things. But, but we know that in the body of Christ, Every member needs to be fully functioning in order for us to grow up into Christ, the fullness of the knowledge of Christ. That's what Ephesians 4 says. The whole point of us each having different gifts is so that we can experience the fullness of the knowledge of Christ. If we want to know everything about Jesus, and if we want to experience the fullness of him, then it's really important that Sharon and Robin are engaged as much as DJ's engaged. It's really important that, that Trish is stepping into her role and that Dave's stepping into his role because in the process of that, God has scattered his gifts among us and we only get to see Jesus to the extent that we're living out the fullness of that. And so on this team, we started to say, what does it look like for us to bring that out in this team and to help identify and equip each person on the team to function in that way? One of the first things we noticed while we were there is we were praying for these two and, uh, and right off the bat, we were like, oh, you guys are like shepherds here. And we actually, I mean, our first prayer time, we talked about that. You guys were talking about what was on your heart. We were looking at you guys, and we were like, Jay and I were both like, you guys are supposed to shepherd this team, and you kind of already are. But when that was named more uh, uh, officially, then they went after it with the team and started developing that team much more as like a church, as a covenant body together. Um, and out of that, God has really changed the platform. Now, each of the MAF places, one of the reasons why MAF um, headquarters has asked us to come out and, and work with them is because they want to take the, the uh, Kalimantan team as, and use that as a model for the other teams they have around the world, what's happening there. Um, and the reason that we understood that was because of what we've experienced with pastors in this area um, and watching how, how it works with pastors. Um, and it's kind of simple, uh, really. Um, it's, it's sort of like what's happened in the church recently, in recent years, is that uh, oftentimes people come to church, and you, you know how this works. People come to church like you go to a restaurant, you know? You, you, like, you, you want something to eat. You're hungry, you know? And uh, right there is really good food. They make food even better than I do. And, uh, you know, so I can go, and, and, and maybe if the food's good, I'll pay something for it. Although at the church, you don't necessarily have to either. Um, and, and you pay a little for it, and you, and you eat, and then you kind of go home, and you might have good, uh, you know, table talk around the table, and you go home. But what that often does for church staff is it puts them in a position where they're the wait staff and they're the chefs, um, uh, but not really part of the body, and it doesn't necessarily grow into being a family 
And, and sometimes church can become more of a, a Sunday morning restaurant, spiritual restaurant, instead of a, a day-in, day-out family. Um, but most of what you learn in the spiritual life, you learn by being a part of a family. You know, going out to eat only does so much for relationships. But when you have to deal with your brother or sister who's hogging the bathroom, you know, that's when you start to learn, like, character in life and whether the gospel actually means something, you know, and whether it's something I'm just eating or whether it's something that I'm exercising. Um, and so uh, when pastors find themselves as chefs and restaurant managers and wait staff, instead of being those who are part of a family, it puts them in a weird spot. So then you have to kind of teach the church to be a family and help leaders lead that way instead of um, just trying to give uh, people the food they're asking for, instead lead them into the fullness of, of what it is that God's created the church to be, which is a covenant family together. And um, so that's what we've been working at with MAF, and that's what we've been working at with pastors all over the place um, right now, and God continues to grow the ministry of Netzer. I'm really excited about this relationship with MAF. Tim, that's awesome. While you were sharing, I'm reminded of, um, and I, w I want you to hear this, Park Ford Church, um, and receive this. Um, I'm reminded of when Paul talks about those who supported him. He doesn't just talk about it in a sense of, hey, thanks for your support. He, he uses a word that is often translated participation. So when he's talking to those who have supported him, whether financially or through prayer, he's saying you participated in what God did. So Parker Ford Church, I just want to encourage you that when you've prayed for Tim and Jen, when you've prayed for Paul and Beth, for Netzer, for MAF, for what God is doing, that it's not just an empty or, or just checking a box support role that you're fulfilling. In the same way, you're participating in God's work around the world and in his kingdom. And that is a wonderful thing. Um, just personally, what's really meaningful about that, what, where I, what my parents do now in the Philippines, they work with um, unreached people groups in the, s in the southern Philippines, Muslim people groups. And there's this, this tribe um, that, that my family has supported and, and Cornerstone where we were before supported. And there's, there's only a couple of believers out of like a million people. They're, they're, uh, and there's these two young women who are the only two missionaries to this tribe. And they're Filipino because only Filipinos can go there. If you're a Westerner, you would be kidnapped, whatever. You can't go there. Um, and these two girls, one day I was running and I was praying for them. And I was just like, God, I wish I, wish I could go. Like, I, I want to be there with them. And, and as I was running and praying, he, he just said, like, when you pray, you are participating. You are joining in the work there. So I just want to encourage you that that is the case. When you pray for what God is doing around the world, you are participating. You are joining in. And so um, one of the first things I heard from the Lord about Parker Ford before I came here, when I was praying about coming here, was that I, I heard the Spirit of God say Antioch. Now, if you know your church history and you know the book of Acts, you know that Antioch is this massive sending church in the, in the early church. And I believe that the Lord has that call. And we can see that through Netzer. We can see that through Paul and Beth. We can see that through the other missionaries that we support, that there's a special anointing and blessing here to participate in the work of the Lord around the kingdom. So that's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that was what I was saying earlier that um, I was asking the Lord this morning in the wee hours, 
what do, what do we need to know? What does is, what is Parkford need to know? And I just really sense that the testimony of God is the testimony of the stories of, of all of us kind of intertwined. Um, and that what God continues to want to reveal is the whole body functioning. And um, so uh, along those lines, I, I just want to say the same, the same thing that DJ said, but I want to say it in the form of thanks. Um, that we, we want to share about what God's doing over there in Indonesia because it's the story of what Parker Ford is doing in many ways. And so uh, we get to participate that and see that with our eyes. Um, and that's why we want to testify. The whole point of the series here is uh, overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. But I want to say that what uh, where I see God most effectively working in that is not just in Indonesia, but I see that in the mobilization of the church being able to reach Indonesia. Because when you look at the long story of God, that story starts a long time ago. Like, I mean, I, I think back of, of Rosella Latchall teaching me in Sunday school as a kid and how that allows me to do what I'm doing now. You know, the, the stories of, of Parker Ford and how it influences well beyond itself over the long haul is an amazing story of God, you know. So thanks. That's kudos and, and blessings <laughs> and mutual blessings in that. So I see God in you. All right, let's transition to the trip. So Jen, will you join us? Paul and Beth, come back up. Um, and just share with us a little bit about your last couple weeks in Indonesia and um, and uh, what, what that was like. Jen, can I start with you? Is that all right? All right, so this was your first trip. And obviously, Tim's been going over for a while and, uh, with Jay McCumber and made multiple trips. And um, so this was your your first time doing it. So how, how was the trip for you? What did you experience? What did you hear from the Lord? And how did you see him work? Yeah, um, it was really neat for me to be a part of the trip this time and to see um, the faces to the names that I've heard of and um, just to experience the the... Um, the conference and the team. Um, I really enjoy traveling, so it was um, fun to see a new culture and, um, like, the beauty, the volcanoes, the, <laughs> the beaches, um, all of that, the people. Um, and I guess for me, one of the things that stood out to me was... Um, in meeting the team, like just the beauty of their community. Um, they have um, just a unique opportunity to live a community that a lot of us wouldn't normally get to experience. And um, so they, they live together, they um, eat together, they um, raise their kids together, they have babies together, they have um, holidays together, and um, everything they do, they go to church together, they work together. Um, so, um, you know, this is their family. They call um, each other, like, uh, aunts and uncles with the, the children there. And um, so um, in that... Um, I also saw um, just the the isolation too of being in a different culture and um, having to experience that. Um, in going into um, 
in preparing for the you know the conference and and my prayers were um, for the team and in that God kept leading me also to pray for um, MAF's connection with um, local Christians local Indonesian Christians um, local churches Christian churches and not really understanding um, the connection or what the role is um, currently. Um, but I kept being led to pray into that. And um, one of the first nights we were there, um, the three of us were praying one night um, before conference. And um, we were praying towards um, these um, separate parts of a body coming together as a whole, and um, I was praying into that for MAF as a team, but then also as a body in the region um, where they were located, um, as MAF being one part of the body of Christ, but also in cooperation with other um, local churches um, joining together as a body, and didn't really understand w what all that meant, but um, MAF um, apparently is, is um, working on more of a connection um, with the local churches, and they were talking through that at conference. So that was exciting to hear. It was neat to hear a story of how um, the, um, there was an MAF plane that took up some local pastors or local um, Christian leaders to pray over the area, and it was kind of a neat picture of, of just the working together um, in that. And um, so it was, um, it was really, it was a joy to be <coughs> there, to be a part of it, and um, just to um, get to meet um, the families that are there and um, to encourage them, be encouraged by them. Um, it was an, a special time. Thanks, Jen. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, this is really cool when you're sharing, and we had we had talked earlier this week a little bit about the trip, but uh, about how your prayer had been for the connection between the, the MAF team and the Indonesian church, not having a clue that that was going to be one of the major topics of the conference, and and uh, built upon a, a, a government mandate that, that's been issued that MAF needs to partner more. Um, with the local church, which is actually a pretty cool mandate. <laughs> so that's just awesome. The spirit of God speaking that and you listening and, and uh, yep. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Paul. So this is where you called home forever. Um, and I know, I mean, I'm sure we've all had the experience of moving away. And then when you've actually not the Elliot's, they've lived there forever, right? They've, they, they've been there a long time, but many of us have had the experience of, of moving far away and then coming home. And sometimes that's like really, um, emotional, or, or it can be difficult. What, what was it like for you being back in a place that was home for you? Yeah, it was, this, is a, this has been an interesting trip. You know, last year, I also went back to Kalimantan as well with Tim, and actually acted more on behalf with Netzer, actually, because we were on sabbatical, and we didn't know what our future held. Um, and because of that, yeah, there was a lot of awkwardness. I didn't know how I fit. This year was was very different and yet very similar too. Um, you know, I think one of the things that kind of set me up uh, for for some difficulties there was I, I also did a trip 
previous to this attached to it um, to a restricted access company that a country that MAF is working in, and we spent uh, a week there talking with people, and really it was really cool because I got the chance to kind of do my job face to face for the first time in in these things, um, and I didn't know anybody stepping in, I didn't know anything, and so it set a tone. It was really interesting, and then when I I stepped into Indonesia, you know, it was a, it was a fairly close country, so it was a quick trip over, step on the ground, I was feeling all good and uh, just excited about everything. And, uh, and then I went on a, uh, I went on a trip. Um, so one of, the, one of the other guys that was traveling with me with the MAF member care was there specifically to, to work with the kids, the older children, um, in kind of a youth uh, context and stuff, just give them some exposure to other people so they can share what's going on in their life, um, because you're very isolated where where we lived in, in Kalimantan. And he's like, hey, you know this area, you know the language, can you can you get a trip going so we can take these kids out? And uh, so I set up this trip to a crocodile farm where uh, they raise crocodiles and you can you can hold them. You know, they, they raise them for, for uh, the skin, but they also have a bunch that they don't kill that are huge. And so you can feed them chickens and fish and they're eating stuff, and you can hold these things. And hey, there's a couple elephants over there, so we're all riding elephants. And I didn't even know you could ride elephants there. Um, <clears throat> so like, but in the middle of all this thing, like I just got like, and these are all the kids that I grew up with. These were like my my nieces and nephews, essentially. Um, and I knew them since they were little babies, and now some of them are taller than me. And uh, yeah, it was a weird thing where it sucked me right back into living in Kalimantan, and it was a, and it threw me for a loop, and I didn't know what to do with it. I know Beth, when we moved back, Beth started processing the change and the difficulties of that right away, and spent, you know, a year doing it. I didn't. I was too tired, actually, to process it, and I knew that I had just actually began processing that this, this winter, um, as God started giving me dreams, and just, like, doing, stirring stuff within me about just processing a really great experience and stuff. And when I went into that, it, like, threw me for a massive loop. And I actually felt like I had slipped in to actually move back into that place. Um, and so it took me a couple days to kind of come back out of that. Tim helped me process that, and this guy, Jonathan, I traveled with as well. Um, and uh, it was good. It's just, I mean, there's a connectedness there. Um, but it solidified, too, what we're actually doing and going over there to do to help and to care for these people. And it was just a really beautiful thing, like, the connectedness that we felt there. Thank you. All right. Um, just to r- remind us why we're doing this. When when um, we have each week we're doing the testimony and then we have an elder who's responding um, and the elder is, uh, is tasked with praying, listening to the word of God and then responding in prayer over the person or the people who are sharing. And, and that's good in and of itself. But one of the main reasons we're doing this is so that the body can see that this is too is how you are called to walk. And so when you're at school, when you're at your job, when you're at home with your neighbor, wha- whatever the situation is, the Lord is always speaking. And so we can listen, we can hear his word, we hide it in our heart, and then we can respond to the situation um, with his word. So this is just a model of what God has called every single person in a relationship with Christ to walk out on a daily basis. Does that make sense? 
So as, as we're listening to Byron model this for us, have, have a heart that's open to learning and to God speaking to you to say, okay, the next time you're in such and such a situation, um, be ready for me to speak my word in response. So Byron, let's go over here. And um, church, as Byron is responding, I would just invite you to extend a hand of blessing and prayer over um, these guys here. Okay, the scripture that came to mind while this was going on is Acts 13, verses 2 and 3. And it, it basically says that while the church was praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart Barnabas and Saul for me for the work to which I have called them. So they prayed about it, they fasted about it, they laid hands on them, and they sent them forth. Now, we all know what Paul and Barnabas did. They planted churches all over Asia. They, did it, they just spread the word all over the known world at that point. What we did here, when we laid hands on Paul and Beth and Tim and Jen and sent them out, we weren't sending them out just to spread the word. We sent them out to help people who were already in place spreading the word. And at times, when we think about it, we have the same, we have the same calling. Our calling is to help people who are spreading the word, who are wondering about the word. Where our, our calling is to help them to become missionaries. We can be a missionary over a back fence. We can be a missionary at work. We don't have anything special. It's how we live our life. If we live it the way Christ wants us to. When someone asks the question, my wife was asked a question once when they were passing out these potassium iodide pills with the Limerick Power Station. She, got, she was there, and one of the girls in the office said to her about being worried about it, she said, I'm not worried. And she said, oh, you already got the pill because the pills hadn't come out that often. And what she said was, no, I'm not worried about that. I know where I'm going. Just that little opening had that girl ask questions, and she became a strong Christian. So all you have to do is listen. Listen to what God's saying. Listen to what people are saying to you. And one t all you need is that little opening that you can say the right word. These folks, as Paul and Barnabas, are doing great things. But we're all called to do great things. And we're all called to do great things in this kingdom. So as we pray about it, as we work hard on it, this is what we need to do. We need to encourage these. We need to be encouraged by them and what they do. But mostly we need to be encouraged about the word of God. Can you lead us in prayer? Let us pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you and praise you for the lives of Beth and Paul and Jim and Tim and Jen because they were set apart and sent out to do great things, just as Paul and Barnabas and Timothy and other apostles were. And we also know that you have called us out to do the same type of work, not maybe formally, but just to listen and know that you are the God. So we ask that you just continue to direct us, guide us, protect us as we go about our daily lives. And keep us always 
under your, under your wing so that when we are having a hard time, we can listen for that still small voice that says, don't worry, I've overcome the world. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we had a song planned to end, but I, f- I feel like we're supposed to just stand and sing the doxology together. So would you stand and let's sing, praise God. And I, we don't have the words queued up, I'm sorry. So you, you'll know it. Praise God.